0: Hey, this is Lance Black from In Parallel, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows.
1: What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Dominate. Who's
2: got it better than us? Nobody! Nobody. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man.
3: I want to be realistic. What do you
2: love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. I always wanted to be part of a small rebellion. You got this, Travis. Make them wait for it. Boom.
1: Awesome, awesome, man, thank you so much for coming on. oh, no problem man I, I mean
0: honestly I, w- I was surprised to get the text um yeah i haven't I don't really talk about silage all that often, so
1: <laughs> that, <laughs> that's cool we'll we'll yeah. we'll cover it all um, yeah. and like i I texted you like I'm super curious to talk to you not just from like ooh, I'm curious about this like dark past or whatever, but as somebody yeah. who's like been a fan of your music through the ages and who has evolved and changed kind of along with your sound. Um so it's cool to get to talk to you about that. Um you know, and I I I get it like as a fan you can like go back and listen and be nostalgic whereas like a creator you're like, "Oh, did I really do that?" <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. So totally. yeah. So I I guess maybe the best way to start this since we're talking about like part of your musical we'll talk about part of your musical career that you haven't talked about in a while is, um, maybe with the, the big picture question to start. Um, and that's, I was looking up, uh, came out in 1997. Yeah. So, so your music has been out there and people have been listening to you and been a fan of yours for 21 years plus now, give or take. Um, that's crazy. So what's that like when you think about like a 20 plus year musical career?
0: I look at it as just kind of growing up and, you know, following a path that, you know, I kind of, I guess I kind of chose along the way. Um, I grew up in a really musical family and, you know, my my parents actually met and they were in a band and, um, you know, they got married, they had me, they took me on the road with them and then it kind of felt natural to follow in their footsteps and they really pushed me to to follow, you know, my heart and my passion, which... Um, I guess it was the age of 14 when it really became my passion. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's interesting cause I was looking at silage and, and thinking about it. I even like just for a brief second, I Wikipedia it just so I remember like the timeline. It's, yeah. it's one of those, it's funny. It's one of those things you kind of, you know, at least for me, I kind of have just forgotten about, I think for a while, um, partially just because I'm so far removed from it, you know, even just, um, a matter of time and all that.
1: Um, but, right, cause uh, it's been yeah, it's been nearly 20 years since that was even a, a project, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we, we actually, it's funny, Silage started out as the high school rally band. Um, we would play like high school bonfires, you know, we would play like after school events. Um, actually, Joined the band after it was formed um i think something was going on there was a dispute between the guitar player and and the rest of the band and so they were looking for someone else and i went to the same youth group as as the guys and so they asked me if i wanted to join and i did so uh <laughs> the funny thing is i like there was a brief moment too where i had uh begged them to change the name <laughs> but uh, they were like no man we have way too big of a following you know and we were we were the high school rally band so um anyway um but yeah i think i think what's what's funny about um or what's interesting i I guess i should say about about silage is you know that's how i that's really where i learned how to write songs um Mm -hmm. and uh you know imagine imagine writing a song and um you know some of the very first songs that you write end up being recorded and put out there and you know that's that's why i cringe when i listen to some of that stuff because it was it was really you know as all of us just kind of learning how to do it um we were more excited about being able to put you know a verse a chorus bridge and all that together and and call it a song than we were to actually listen to it on our own you know we weren't really writing um you know music that i would just want to sit and listen to on my own it was it was more of just the feeling of accomplishment at the time, I think so. um, But yeah, you know, it's, it's fun to think back on, Um, you know, the the guys in the band, um, you know, we were all kind of growing up. I mean, we were, we were all from this, this town in Northern California called Auburn and, um, you know, not a lot of people really move away from there. It's, it's kind of one of those Mm -hmm. areas where there's a lot of old high school friends that are still kind of, they're doing their thing and, um, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's just kind of the kind of town it was. So when we, uh, you know, when actually we made something of of the band and, um, had management and a, and a label and all that and started touring, I think we, our eyes were really opened to a lot of things. really just kind of grew up, you know, together in a van. Um, it it was pretty interesting, interesting
1: time for sure. Yeah. Um, We'll jump back a little bit. What first got you into music as like a fan?
0: Oh, man. Um, the very first record that I can remember that I got on my own was uh, Genesis Invisible Touch. Um, it's funny. The reason I laugh is because not a lot of people would say that, you know, was their their first record that got them into music. And, um, and my good friend, Ryan Parrish, who, you know, um, you know, it, actually he and i share this love for phil collins and we're not afraid to, to say it but uh <laughs> he he actually is music for whatever reason man it just you know at that that age of 12 it really you know struck a chord and um you know so much so that you know my brother and i would just sit and listen you know uh, to the uh we had this old like boombox and we both choose a side and and put our ear to it and listen, you know, and to the radio and then hit record on the tape deck when a yeah. the song would come <laughs> on and and we'd write out the lyrics of the songs and you know try to memorize them and all that stuff and it was just it's such a, a fond memory of mine. Like to think back on on that time. It's you know I guess it's an odd odd thing now. It seems weird, but but back then, man, it was just we were so in love with with music and just listening to it because it wasn't as accessible you know I mean I think back on hearing you know a song that I like or you know seeing a song like the very first time I ever um, heard the band Quicksand was I think um, on some late night show you know there was like this motocross show and I don't know I was just up watching (laughs) TV and then there's Quicksand and I heard it and you know I saw the name so I went down to my local you know record store and ordered the CD and it took, you know, like a week or so to get there. And, you know, so, so, you know, that's music obviously, um, was not nearly as accessible, um, as it is now.
1: Right. 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 Staying up super late to watch 120 minutes to see Sunny Day play.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Man. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was a different time, but, but also, you know, I, I think the thing I really liked about it too is in, in retrospect is just the fact that there was a lot of mystery around it because now you know more than you want to know about, you know, the bands that you're into or the people in the bands that you're into. Right. Um, Yeah. It was kind of cool to just like the first time you see them live, you know, it's a big deal. So.
1: So it sounds like was Silage your first band then?
0: Yeah. Um, it's funny. Yeah. I was really resistant to being in a band. Um, my parents, you know, like I said, had always been very musical and, um, had pushed me for a long time to to play you know and and i mean their hearts were in the right place you know i, I just wasn't ready you know as a kid i just didn't want to do it until my younger brother who you know he's four years younger than i am he started playing guitar and i i saw him you know excelling and, and playing very well very quickly and then it became like a challenge to me and the second i picked up a guitar and started playing i you know i I was like oh man i can really do this and i loved it and i practiced you know two hours every night after school and i was obsessed with it um but yeah silage was the first band um you know that i've um that i had joined and um you know there were a few a few more after that so. mm-hmm.
2: It's like this. this I'm up here acting real smooth I'm like an old school rocker And I'm rapping away Yeah, I'm all in your face And it won't stop Because it just sounds cool to say it and play it And I go on and live my life And hide away from you and you or me Or oh, whoever wants to believe what I am seeing And no, I don't want to be this way Or see this way Or believe in my intention to be cool
1: how did you guys get hooked up with Sublime Records?
0: Wow, um, you know, I think before Sublime Records, we we actually hooked up with um, a, a great management company. Um, just a, you know, I think it was managed at the time by two or three people. Um, but um, these guys, Paul Gunther and Rob Posnansky, um I actually had to look up some information today to remember <laughs> these people, but, but they were they were so um, gracious and and so good to us, and um, I'm trying to remember the name of the management company. But anyhow, they um, they got us a lot of gigs up and down the West Coast, and um, so you know we started playing and we put together um, you know some songs. We had a demo tape, and I think the you know our management was really pushing the music out there. Um, and we caught the attention of, um, sublime records, which was a division of essential records. Um, and so, um, I think, you know, we eventually ended up taking a trip to, to Nashville and we played a, a couple of showcases and, uh, I think everything kind of came together from there. That, I mean, it's funny because that whole time period, it was, you know, it, it was fun to play in a band and it was during that whole ska movement. I mean, I remember, yeah. it, you know, especially like you know, the Bay area, um, Sacramento, you know, there were, there were a lot of ska bands out at that time. And, um, I wasn't really into that scene, but I was in a band with, you know, a couple other guys who were really into that. And so, and it was fun music to play. So I was like, Oh, okay, let's do this. Um, and, um, you know, we ended up, uh, there were a lot of bands that would come to some of the, you know, some of what we thought were the coolest clubs in Sacramento and, and we go check them out and it was, you know, it was great. It was amazing. But, um, but yeah, we ended up for, for a while we were more of a kind of a punk ska band. Um, and our singer was really writing, you know, probably about 90% of the tunes. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, our first record came out and, he started receiving publishing checks and showing up with, uh, you know, new guitars that my, my brother who was in the band too at the time, um, you know, he and I looked at each other and said, we need to start writing songs. So (laughs) I think, uh, yeah. So we, uh, the, the record that followed Watusi, um, you know, had more of my brother, um, and myself, you know, our influence on that record was all, was all over that record. Um, partially driven from, uh, you know, I guess the, the publishing aspect of it, which is, which is an odd thing, I guess. Um, but you know, we really, uh, we had a lot more fun during that time frame because it was something that we felt like, you know, was more of, it represented who we
1: were. So. Yeah. So yeah, that will lead to my next question. So that was really the driver and kind of the change in sound on Vegas car chasers was you guys writing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's funny that it, yeah. It, It kind of seems it kind of cheapens it, I guess, a little bit if if we say it was driven by you know wanting to publish, yeah, (laughs) wanting to uh, make get some money, yeah, from from publishing. But I mean, I'd be lying if I said otherwise. So, um, but no, I I actually look at that though as a great thing um, because it did. You know, from there, I started writing a ton and. Um, I started really fall, falling in love with writing. And I started singing more. Um, I started playing guitar a little differently. I started playing guitar more like you know the bands that I was influenced by, you know like mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins, Quicksand, um, Far, um, Far, and, and the Deftones, which were both Sacramento bands, um, which is you know right outside of where I was raised. Um, and um, you know I actually got to see both of those bands um, live several times and um, you know, I I guess I count myself very lucky to be able to kind of see them when they were just getting started and all that um, but they were a huge influence and so, you know, it's funny when you listen to Watusi and and then you think of, you know, my influence as being you know, that scene, you know, Deftones Far, um, there was a band called Little Guilt Shrine that that was really good during that time too from Sacramento, but um, you know, the, the two don't really match up, um, the yeah. influence and and what was coming out but again it was more of you know we were just excited to be playing and, and writing songs um, it was less about our influences
1: yeah yeah no that's that's cool yeah there are some songs on Vegas Car Chasers I put that record on today just as like a refresher before we talked and like cranked the stereo up really loud and I was like there's still some songs on that record like Yo Tango the guitars on there like really kick and sound great
3: Super stereo, stereo jazz, super how stereoponic, inside your feel, how you make, super stereo, stereo, jazz, super stereoponic, inside your make, me feel, inside you make me feel It's how you make me feel, 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 it's how you make
0: Oh thanks man no, yeah well i guess there a big change on that one too was um i mean we kind of went through a lot of drummers but um we ended up um chuck cummings i don't know if you know any any bit about chuck's uh, background but he was in dakota yeah Motor he's Company. legendary yeah, yeah he's he's incredible um i mean it, it's so funny um you know we were just kids and and he was a 40 year old man who yes. <laughs> joined our band and <laughs> and i say that now like lightheartedly because i'm uh, you know i'm past that age um yeah and i have no problem admitting that but um but yeah he you know he hung in there with us but um but he brought this energy to the band you know especially in that song i mean his his playing was just incredible and and um you know we'd come up with something and he all of a sudden, you know, totally changed the the energy in the song by what he was playing. And um, I think, you know, before that, um, you know, we hadn't really experienced anything like that. Um, You know, it it really, it was kind of the change that we needed for the direction that we were going in. Um, And we had actually just, you know, our, our, I guess, longtime drummer, uh, Ryan Clark, um had decided to to leave sort of the touring, you know, world and all that and and get married and um you know and settle down um which I can't blame him. I mean, he, you know, it's a it's a tough thing obviously uh, having a family and touring and all that. So so uh, but it happened, you know, at the right time for us because we were we were changing too. So
1: Yeah. What was it like uh well I'll I'll go to that in a second. How did you guys end up with Chuck joining the band just because of label connections or?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say it was mostly because of label connections. Um, our a guy, Bob Wohler, was um, a really good friend of, of Chuck's. And God, I'm trying to remember what band Bob was in. Bob was, I, I don't think it was as successful as Dakota Motor Company, but they had played some shows together. Um, and then, you know, Bob later on became this A&R guy um, for Sublime Records um and so he recommended chuck and you know was able to talk ultimately talk chuck into joining our band um at least for the recording process and chuck i think really fell in love with the songs and um you know and decided to to go out and tour the record with us so we we were very very lucky to uh have met him and um they actually he came through town um a month or two ago with a prayer chain, um, they played Mercy, or not Mercy Lounge, they played Cannery, which is right next to Mercy Lounge. Um, and unfortunately, I was not able to make it. And I was really excited because I was going to meet up with Chuck. But anyway, he's he's an old friend for sure.
1: That's cool. What was it like uh, moving up to Essential?
0: Oh, man, that was, that was interesting because things really changed. Um, I would say, f- you know, for the good and, and probably for the worse as well. Um, and it, the good part of it was we played for a lot more people. Um, they, they put us on the road with, you know, bands like jars of clay and, um, third day and some, you know, mm-hmm. just, just bigger acts. So, you know, we were playing, you know, I don't know, just like five and 7,000 seater venues, a lot of theaters and, for us, that was a brand new experience. And, um, you know, I still look back on that, like, wow, that was, that was a lot of fun playing for all those people, you know, that it's a different kind of energy, you know, in a room that mm-hmm. big. And, um, and we got to really see, you know, the U.S. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing thing to do at a young age. Um, but, uh, they, and all of those guys were really gracious, really, really great people. And, you know, we had fun. I mean, they they would come up, you know, and play some songs with us or, you know, we would mess with each other and all that. Um, but, but um, yeah, I've got some very fun memories of all that. I think the the tough part about it. So so the area that changed was the business side. You know, and and mm-hmm. it's kind of the old story, right? Everybody always talks about that. You know, and you you there's a lot more business, um, in, you know, involved with a, a larger record label. There are more expectations, um, <laughs> like a thousand different um, examples running through my head right now. But, um, I would say, you know, we, we learn very quickly when you mix art and religion <laughs> with mm-hmm. business, it, it really, um, can muck things up, you know? Um, and, and it really kind of, after a while it kind of messes with your head a little bit. So I think that was the, that was kind of the tough part for us. Um, trying to think of uh an example i can share (laughs) 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 there i mean and it's funny because you you hear a lot of things too you know about other people and other bands and you you try to let a lot of that slide up you know just roll off your back but um but yeah um i think i'll be gonna be careful with (laughs) some of the things i say about all that yeah (laughs) yeah
1: that's fine that's that's totally cool we don't we don't need to just talk shit or um, yeah
0: yeah no, definitely
1: yeah um, <laughs> so then you guys disbanded but you and i mean you sort of disbanded um because you basically continued on as parkway
0: yeah so that okay so there's an interesting story too so okay. yeah we uh <laughs> so we got to the point where and i'm trying to remember yeah okay sorry i'm, I'm having to Dig deep on this one. Yeah, no. <laughs> I remember way back. Um, so we got to the point where we were kind of we were done. We were tired of touring. Um, didn't really feel inspired to to write new music and, and continue on in, in the capacity that we were. Um, you know, I, we were really burnt out on on the Christian music scene um, because of a lot of our experiences and um, and the way that we were, uh, I think, treated. Um, you know, in some of the venues that we played, and then um, you know, just with with the record label and all that, and um, so we kind of we kind of made a deal with the label at the time. They said, "All right, if you change your name, because nobody liked our name, we we didn't like our name. Um, <laughs> the label hated our name. You know, it wasn't <laughs> kind of sounded like a metal band, but then when you read, you know, you know the description or, or I guess the uh, definition." you know, of silage and, and what it was being cow food. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think the whole thing was ridiculous. So, <laughs> so they said, all right, so we'll let you out of your record deal. If you change your name and you put out one more record, but this time, you know, we want to up the, the Jesus count. You know, we want to make sure that you're, you're singing about Jesus a little bit more than you were on, on your last records. And you know, we kind of, kind of looked at each other like, this is, you know, ridiculous. Um, but I think at the time, you know, we were, we were pretty desperate to just kind of be done with it. And I wouldn't, I can't really speak for everybody when I say that, you know, if I'm being honest, um, I think, you know, I, I think Damien, you know, to this day, Damien Horn, um, who, who was the singer in Silage, um, the primary singer, um, you know, he's got a true passion around, around that and, in, in playing churches and, and, um, you know, he's an, an awesome individual. Um, you know, even though we haven't really kept in touch, I mean, I've got good memories of, of Damien. He's, I consider him a good friend. Um, but, um, but my brother and I, I think we were just completely done. You know, we were, the three of us were kind of the, the core members of the band. Um, and so, we decided okay we'll, we'll do this so we changed the name of the band i don't even know who came up with it i think it might have been partially um the label and then i know damien had some influence on it as well but but we changed the band name to parkway and so it was still silage but the name was parkway um and we started making this record and we when we finished the record my brother looked at me and he said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to tour this. I quit. Well, (laughs) the funny thing about it is we had already done the photo shoot for the record. So there were three of us on the cover. Um, we, they actually flew us out to the Bahamas, which was an incredible experience. We really had a good time. We kind of just goofed off the whole time we were there. And then, you know, like one of the days we actually, you know, got down to business and did some photos, but, um, So when my brother quit, they literally cropped him out of all the photos. So there's, there's Damien and I, I mean, I I might as well have been giving him you know, piggyback rides, you know, across the beach, you know, it looked, it looked pretty, pretty, uh, pretty goofy, I think. But, um, but you know, I mean, it kind of matched the record anyway, I guess on, on some level. Um, I think, you know, you listening back to that record, um, there are some things that there are some moments that I'm proud of on it, um but you know, it, it just kind of came from a a weird place, you know, for us. And, and there was one song in particular, I think that that ended up being played on way FM quite a bit, um, because we did up the, the Jesus Count. And, um, in fact, we, uh, we ended up playing, uh, that particular song at the Ryman, um, and, you know, jars of clay was there and they actually sang and and were the backing band and, we had this whole thing. And, um, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because that moment is what, um, made me quit, um, playing in, in the Christian, you know, market, the Christian world. Um, because the second I stepped off of, off the stage, I was embarrassed. I felt, I felt like that should have been such a proud moment for me. Um, but i was really embarrassed to have been on that stage because it wasn't something that i believed in and it wasn't something that i could be proud of so um it was like one of those moments in your life where you have an epiphany everything kind of slows down and you know you know what either what to do next or what not to do you know and that was that was a moment for me so um i quit the band then so before i think before the record even came out um you know I quit (laughs) and my brother had quit. And so Damien actually carried on um, with some of um, our really close friends um, who now I play in bands with. Um, They actually um, played with him for, I guess, probably another year or two. Um, And I don't really know where or or when it fizzled out, but eventually they quit. So, (laughs)
1: A lovely story.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, uh, no,
1: but I think I think it's, I think it's really common. Having listened to and then worked on this podcast for so long and others like it, like I think it's pretty common that that business side just wears people down, and and that aspect of especially when you're on one of those bigger, more mainstream CCM type labels, Christian labels, and they want you to push a certain agenda, it just gets to you, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, we've, you know, we've got friends who have been through it too. You know, we talk and they, it's, it's the same story. You're absolutely right about that. And especially living in Nashville, you run into a lot of, you know, old friends um, from that time period and, and they do feel the same way. Uh, yeah.
1: Yep. So did you, did you move to Nashville during that time period or after?
0: Uh, during the time period. Yeah. So, yeah. um so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get real personal here. I was I was actually uh, married to my first wife and and had I guess my son was a year and a half old when we made the decision to move to Nashville. And the reason why we did was because you know, when you live in California and you're a touring band, you have to cross the desert to get to, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere really. And so when I would tour, I, you know, I think the longest I was ever away from you know, my wife at the time and, and my son was three months and that's a long time. Um, you know, especially when they're, you know, very young and they're just learning how to do things. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I missed, you know, it sounds so cliche, but I missed his first (laughs) steps and all that, you know? And so, um, so we decided, you know, I guess December of 98 is when we packed up our stuff, um, and, you know, moved to Nashville and, it was a band decision. We all decided to do that for the same reason. And, um, <laughs> and I guess a year, year and a half, um, later is, you know, when everything kind of fizzled out, my brother had moved back, you know, to California. Um, and then, you know, I guess a couple of years after that, Damien had moved back to California and then it was just me. So I'm, I'm really the only, you know, a band member from that time, time frame that still lives here in Nashville. Um, but I've, you know, I've got so many great friends out here and, and, you know, my, my kids are out here and um, I'm, I'm newly, well, I say newly married. <laughs> I've been <laughs> married to her for almost 12 years. I've been, I'm remarried. <laughs> I, I guess is what I'm looking for. I, yeah. <laughs> she listens to this. She'll, uh, she'll probably make fun of me, which is cool. So, Yeah. (laughs) Anyway.
1: So, was there a period where... I guess in between parkway and celebrity where you didn't do anything where you tried to figure that out or did you know you wanted to continue on and do something next?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, we picked right back up. Um, so I don't know. It was probably, gosh, I I would say only just a matter of months before, um, you know, I was in a room with, um, Matt and Jesse fine, you know, writing music for celebrity. Um, I met both of those guys when we were touring with Silage. They were in a band called Prophecy. Um, we <laughs> we were oh, on this great, great tour. Oh yeah, it was uh, Silage, Prophecy, and Zilch um, was one of the band tours that we were on. We, it oh was man, one of the the best combination of awful band names ever. <laughs> um, but um, but it's it's funny, um, you know. On that tour, I met Matt and Jesse, um, but then I also met Mark Nash, um, who. Has been a, I mean, a longtime friend, but then collaborator. Um, you know, he's produced every celebrity record, um, and you know, and the other bands that I've been involved with, he's been a part of as well. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah. So yeah, we, we, like I said, we, um, we got in a room, just started writing. We were a three-piece. We intended to just remain a three-piece. And, uh, but I think the songs that, you know, we heard the way that we heard the songs that we were writing, you know, they, they needed to be a lot bigger, um, than, uh, than how it was sounding in the room, or at least we heard it that way. And so we, uh, we started our search for a guitar player and it took a really, really long time until we found someone, but, um, really, you know, we went through how we had, Two members who actually played with us for a while and then we, you know, we had guys who tried out for like a, a show or two. Um but um you know, obviously Ryan Parrish um has has been the mainstay and he's he and I have, you know, played in every band um that both of us have been in, you know, since then. So um yeah. Good times, yeah. With that band, I mean, it, celebrity is the band that I, you know, to this day, I'm proud of. I'm proud of the decisions that we made. Um, you know, we decided to not get involved in the Christian music scene. It would have been really easy for us to do that um, because we had a lot of connections there. But um, you know, we were approached by by some of the um, Christian music labels, um, and even you know, just some shows or festivals, you know, that were Christian based. And it wasn't that we were, you know, turning our back on Christianity or, you know, or hateful towards it, but we just we didn't want to be better. Um we we wanted to kind of do things on our terms and and play music because we enjoyed it. Um you know, write songs that we would want to listen to and and try to inspire ourselves and and if anybody else was into it, cool, you know that was our feeling then. Whereas before that, I think it was a, an entirely different focus. So, um, it was, it was fun to be a, a part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you guys ended up on doghouse records, right? Love sick. We yeah. Doghouse. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dog, doghouse was, it's funny. We went through this time period and, and I loved talking about this story with, with Ryan. So when Ryan joined the band, um, through, you know, one of our good friends, Ryan Rado, which um, I'm not sure if you know Ryan, but I feel like oh, yeah. everybody knows Ryan Rado. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we, we had randomly um, met Ryan Rado at um, the State Fair, and uh, <laughs> he uh, he was the one who um, connected us with Ryan Parrish, and um, who happened to, to be a fan of the band, and so, and he had just... He, left hopes fall. Um, and so the timing was perfect, but he, he, you know, drove out to Nashville from North Carolina and we needed to get him ready real quick because we had this showcase for Atlantic records in New York. And, um, we had it, gosh, I don't remember exactly how long we had to get him ready, but it was, it must've been something like a week, you know? And so we were in a room for a little while and then, you know, flew out there and immediately we're standing in front of and you know, all these guys who are looking at us, you know, writing, writing notes and, you know, and then immediately coming up afterwards, asking us all these questions about, you know, how many CDs do you guys sell at shows? How many fans do you have typically? <laughs> and all this stuff. And they went right to Ryan, which is the funny thing. Cause you know, he was the newest member of the band and he didn't know any of that and it kind of freaked him out, but luckily so he stayed, stayed with the band. But, um, but yeah, um, I, I know I went off on a tangent there. I'm trying to remember what the original <laughs>
1: question was. Oh, um, just about being on Doghouse. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. So, so <laughs> yeah, the reason why I mentioned that was we we played a lot of showcases and um, and nearly all of them went horribly wrong. Um and um but Doghouse was the the label that, you know, they just made it really easy. I mean, they were really matter of fact with us. They weren't you know we, we had one label take us out to an island for you know a weekend and do all <laughs> these things for us, and you know, we had some really crazy stuff happen. But but <laughs> these guys were just like laid back dudes who who got it and said, Man, we, we just really like your music, we want to work with you if you'll have us. And um, you know, and our manager was really high on them too, and um, you know, so we ended up uh signing with them and and you know to this day we're really glad that we made that choice
1: celebrity to an end. Um
0: so basically recording our last EP I think was kind of kind of when everything ended. Um I'm trying to think of how to put this. So so we were making what, you know, what I think, you know, Ryan and I both felt like was probably the the music that we're most proud of um and and we're just really excited about you know playing um once it was recorded you know playing it playing it live um mm-hmm. and you know most of our our fans don't even know that record came out uh, because uh i don't even know if we released it on a label i think we just released it on our own uh because it yeah, kind of ended right. abruptly like we were we set out to make a full-length record and um i think you know it, I, I don't know all of his reasons behind it, but I know that, I know that Matt, um, you know, our drummer was, was ready to do something else and I can't fault him for that. He's actually become very, uh, successful in the path that he's chosen. He's, um, you know, he wanted to be a business owner and, and cut hair and, um, he's opened up several, um, you know, salons here in Nashville that are, are very successful, um, and, and he's doing really well for himself, um, there. Um, I think the rest of us weren't ready for that. Um, and so we were a little bummed, but, um, we ended up with, um, I think there are six songs on that, that last EP that we did. And, um, we were really proud of that, that record. And so that's kind of how it ended. And that's how, um, you know, in parallel began, began from there because Jesse and Ryan and I weren't really ready to, to stop, you know, playing and and writing and all that, so...
1: And then you guys you just did everything from parallel yourself i know that and ryan's got a new studio up in his uh refurbished house yeah
0: yeah we were so i mean that's always been a dream of ours to have a place we can go to really anytime we want and um you know and and record any of our new ideas our new songs um we're still you know building that part of it out um but right now we've got a really nice practice space um that we you know we can practice you know once a week and and we're writing you know music right now that's challenging us and it's exciting and um we feel like we're in a really good place uh creatively right now um the original stuff for in parallel it's funny because i think we some of the very first songs that we wrote for the record that was released this year we wrote those started writing those back in 2010 2011 time frame um yeah. and it just took us so long <laughs> to finally get that record recorded and and sounding the way that we wanted it to um we literally um attempted um five different times to to record that record and um we had a couple of things fall through um you know that made it sort of impossible to finish on a couple of the attempts, but then there were others that we just kind of had to scrap it part of the way through because it wasn't sounding the way that we wanted it to. And, um, you know, what finally worked for us was working with Mark Nash again. Um, and he kind of came in and rescued us and said, let's, let's just knock this out guys. And we were very grateful to him, you know, for that, because it ended up sounding the way that we heard it in our heads. And we wanted to to have a bit of a a live sound to it. And we didn't need it to be pristine. We wanted it to sound a little bit dirty. And, you know, being an electronic sort of record, which is something that was brand new to us, um, especially, you know, uh, you know, having to figure out the loop thing live and, and even just, you know, when writing the songs, how to put all that together and make it work. Um it was you know it was great to have someone like Mark um you know, come along and help us with that with that part of it.
1: Yeah. For my for my personal uh interest, that's Mark Nash from uh formerly a PFR, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Nice. It's- <laughs> it's funny how all that stuff works out, isn't it? Um, it's, uh, yeah, no. yeah. so he, yeah, like I said, he was on that awful tour, silage zilch, uh, and prophecy and zilch was, um, all the players in DC talks band. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, Mark was not, um, a part of that band, but they needed him to, to step in and play on that tour. So, so he was playing with them and yeah. Oh man. We, we all bonded because I think, you know, like my brother and I were tired of playing the music that we were playing. Um, you know, I think Mark was tired of playing what he was playing at the time. And we just hung out and talked about music and, and, you know, just had a really good time and made the best of, you know, what we were doing at the time. And, um, I think that's where, you know, we became really great friends and are to this day. So anyway, yep. He's from PFR.
1: (laughs) I thought so. I just uh.
3: yeah. Just away. That was
1: I'm curious, what was your uh, lyrical inspiration for "Broken Codes"?
0: Um, you know, it, it's funny because it's, it's always so log yeah. Well, it had code. been a while, but but also, you know a lot of what I had written in the past was written from a place of trying to deal with something really, really heavy. Um, and I think I'm past a lot of that, you know, in my life. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware, I feel like, um, it's, it's been out there in maybe old interviews or, um, you know, other publications or whatever. But, um, when, you know, when I was in celebrity, especially in the, the beginning part of it, um, you know, a lot of the songs were about, you know, my son who was in the hospital, um, who, you know, nearly lost him a few times. Um, he he had some heart problems and ended up having a heart transplant and he had cancer Mm -hmm. and all these other things. Um, and while, you know, kind of going through all that with him, um, um, you know, I was having marital issues and, and ended up getting a divorce. So, um, you know, the, the, really the, three first you know records for Celebrity they were all about you know that just trying to cope and all of that pain that I was feeling at the time yeah. um, and really not knowing what to do with it so um, the very last record of Celebrity I was newly married and was just singing about stuff I was stoked about so <laughs> so yeah. that was cool um, so then it was you know <laughs> starting a new project in parallel um it was just trying to figure out okay what do i want to sing about and and there are still things you know that like for me that were really important to me um and i just it was a mindset change for me because it was like oh where's you know where's my inspiration you know they, some people joke that you know when you get happy you lose your your inspiration or you're not you're not a good songwriter anymore and you know um i, I don't really agree with that but yeah. i could see where you know where where people would say that um yeah, you know, I think, you know, bridge and tunnel, I mean, is for me is an easy one to relate with, you know, it's it's sort of, you know, I grew up in a really blue collar, you know, home and um, things were not easy for us. You know, we, I think by the time I moved out of the house, we had moved 21 different times all over, you know, California um, and often slept on our family members floors and, and stuff like that. My father was an artist. Um, and so, you know, he just had a difficult time, you know, making money for the family and all that. So, you know, bridge and tunnel is, is sort of that, that look at society, you know, the way that, that people who are less fortunate than others can be judged, um, you know, spiritual, um, it's a song about, you know, just dealing with, you know, very literally, you know, spirituality and, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, what I had gone through, um, in, you know, the entire Christian music scene, but, but also, you know, the way I was raised, um, and, and this wasn't on my parents at all. I, I love my parents and I love my siblings and, and, you know, I love the way that I was raised. Um, but, um, you know, the churches that we were involved with, it it was all very fear-based, yeah. um, religion and, and it took me a long time to get over that. Um, you know, it was, it was something that I felt like it was almost like, you know, coming from a cult or something. I I can't imagine what that would be like, but you know, it it was probably, probably something close to that. So, um, but the song is about, you know, wanting to feel that connection though, because, um, although I may not agree with, with some of the way that, you know, some of what I was taught in the church, um, I still, you know, I still feel um a connection to God and I and it just looks differently, it feels differently now um than it did then and and that that songs about wanting to be close um to to God and feel that same sort of emotion that I did, you know, then um minus the fear, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. So, um, yeah, I mean, cool. you know, those are just a, a couple of examples. Um, I yeah. mean, I think Birth of the World was, you know, the first time I fell in love and, um, you know, when I was a kid and and just all those feelings that come along with it, you know. So it's really, it was just kind of just tapping into certain feelings and about, you know, subject matter, matter that I know or that is that is close to, to my heart, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I was just curious because the lyrics are are amp- ambiguous enough where it's not obvious and not like pushy a message or a story and it's like you can kind of interpret it however you want so i was just curious sure
0: no i mean no yeah. you're fine to ask um yeah. yeah it's it's funny i always feel like it's so obvious what it's about and i get you know almost to the point where i'm like oh god this is so embarrassing and <laughs> you know people always ask like what is that song about i have no idea I'm like oh Thank God yeah. You know <laughs> right. If you only knew oh. <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I wanna know
3: I wanna be hopeless blessed love
1: Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our theme song was written and composed by the legendary Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give the show a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, click on the Patreon link at asthestorygrows.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening.